I became sober curious and that actually became harder for me because I feel being sober curious, realizing what alcohol was doing to me, how it was affecting me in such a negative way. But what I continued to do was continue to drink through that time. So there was that real battle in my head of, I know I should be drinking less. I know it's affecting my health. I know it's affecting my mental health, but I continue to drink. From Thrivalist, this is the Sober Not Sorry podcast with your host, Lucy Quick. As the leading destination to change your relationship with alcohol in an empowered way, Thrivalist will help you free yourself from the alcohol trap and create a life so wondrous you won't want to escape from it anymore. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Sober Not Sorry. I hope you've had a beautiful week so far. For today's episode, I sat down with the wonderful Georgina to hear all about her powerful story. This interview is so, so good. Georgie joined Thrivalist back in January of 2022 and is now celebrating 19 months of sobriety. In this episode, Georgie shares her journey of problematic drinking and her decision to quit alcohol. She started drinking at a young age, like so many of us, to boost her confidence, but gradually over time, it escalated to drinking nearly two bottles of wine a night. Georgie knew that alcohol was no longer serving her, and so she sought help and joined Thrivalist. And with the support of the community, she found the confidence to live a sober life and discovered a newfound gratitude, joy, and career. Georgie is such a beautiful, strong, and inspirational woman. You are going to love this interview. And just a reminder, ladies, you can join our signature sobriety course anytime, which is the best place to start with Thrivalist. And please use the coupon code SOBERNOTSORRY at checkout for 20% off the course. And before we get started with Georgie's interview, here's some info about our upcoming retreat. We are running our first ever in-person retreat for the Sober Curious Woman, which will be held on November the 23rd to the 26th this year in Trentham, which is nestled in the Victorian spa country. I'll be hosting this retreat, which will be centered around rest, restoration, and connecting with oneself and other sober curious ladies. This will be a five-star experience. It's going to be so decadent. It's going to be exactly what you need and what you deserve right now. So included in the retreat will be all of the accommodation. So three beautiful nights in luxurious five-star accommodation. All meals will be included and we have an in-house chef who will be preparing all of the food, all of the snacks, all of the treats. Well, there'll be unlimited tea, coffee, mocktails there'll be cheese platters and nibbles each evening before dinner we're going to have on-site yoga and meditation classes there'll be walks in the national park we're going to have a 60-minute workshop with a naturopath and holistic gut health expert and we're also going to have massages and reiki some pottery sessions and raw cooking demonstrations a sound healing meditation And of course, so much downtime, time to relax, to finally read that book you've had on your shelf and enjoy some me time. So this is going to be a really intimate and exclusive experience. There's only going to be 10 guests and we're already 
at 50% sold. So if you're listening to this and thinking, oh my gosh, I need this in my life, I'm going to pop a link in the show notes. So please head over to that link and you can email me directly if you'd like info at thrivalistsobriety.com if you've got any other questions. Otherwise, would love you to join us for this beautiful experience. Now it's time for the episode. Georgie, thank you so much for coming on to the Sober Not Sorry podcast. I'm so excited for you to share your story with our community. It's such an amazing story and you're just such an incredibly inspiring woman. So thank you. Thanks for having me, Lou. Do you want to start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am a wife and I am a mum to two teenagers, a 16-year-old son and a almost 14-year-old daughter. I am a personal stylist but now stepping into the health and wellness coaching world and the sober coaching world as my sobriety has led me down that track. Yeah, and I have a brother and a sister and obviously a beautiful mum. Unfortunately, my dad passed away when I was four. So that is part of my journey and my story as well. So I always do like to touch on that at the start. I had a beautiful upbringing in a small country town. It was the best. We were like back in the days where we'd just ride our bikes until the streetlights went out and then we'd rock back inside to get organised for dinner and bed. So yeah, had a, I've actually had a yeah really beautiful upbringing and yeah, and I am 44 and I when I say that, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm okay with 44, but I think I can just stop there now. That will be enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only it works like that, right? Yeah, exactly. So George, do you want to share your alcohol story? What drove you to drink in a problematic way and how you got to the place of needing to reach out to Thrivalist? This has been a long journey for me. I started drinking around 13 and 14, which was what most country kids sort of done. And when I reflect back on that now, it's taken a long time to work out what led me to drink because obviously those first, you know, times when you drink, it tastes like crap. It really does. And you're like, well, why did I continue to do those things? And for me, it was a confidence thing. I had two beautiful best friends growing up and they still are my best friends to this very day. They were little, they were tiny, they were beautiful and I was always that little bit bigger and a little bit overweight. So whenever I'd go to social things, I would always have that insecure feeling rocking in. What alcohol done for me was it gave me that relaxed feeling, it gave me that confidence to then just get on with my life. So That's where it started. And I think that's why I continued to drink up until the very end. So it was definitely confidence for me. I continued drinking most social situations throughout my teenage years, early 20s. It was mainly binge drinking on weekends. And that was okay. That was a dumb thing. That was a societal norm. No worries at all. Didn't even think twice about it. Horrendous hangovers. Still didn't think twice about it. It was just what you done. Had my children. And then I was still only, I don't think it was very problematic after I had the kids. I wasn't bored. I wasn't sort of, you know, I continued to work because I've always loved that independence. But what I found in my later 30s was Friday night and Saturday night, I was a white wine drinker. So Friday night and Saturday night, I might have one or two glasses of wine and things just escalated I shouldn't say escalate, they gradually increased over sort of 10 years. So what was happening was 
Friday, Saturday night, societal norm, okay. Then what I found was I would drink Sunday nights because I found that was a real, a really good way to take the edge off, the overwhelm what was to come for the week ahead. Then what I'd done was I incorporated Thursday nights into my drinking as well because I only at the time worked Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So, you know, Thursday o'clock was like Friday, one o'clock. So I incorporated it into that. What I was finding, and I was always really nervous about this, was I was going to increase it until for every night at drinking every night of the week. And during COVID, that's what happened. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I was reaching for wine every night of the week. And when I was reaching for wine towards the end, it was a bottle at least a night, often towards the very, very end. I think I'd leave maybe a glass left in that second bottle. So that was me. And that's when I sort of came to the realisation that alcohol was yeah, was no longer serving me and something had to be done. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. You shared your journey so clearly. And I know so many people would relate to that story. I can totally relate to that feeling of being uncomfortable in my skin physically and feeling that awkwardness as a teenager and using alcohol for confidence. And that's where it all begins, right? Back in our early teen teenage years. Your story is, it's unique. Everyone's story is obviously very different and unique, but yours is unique in a sense that it didn't actually become too much of a problem until your late 30s. So it developed later on after you had your kids and you noticed that you were using it really to manage that, I guess, stress and overwhelm of the week ahead, which is so normal for working moms. We have these long to-do lists. We've got so much on our plate and it really takes the edge off and it gets us out of our monkey mind brain of all of the worrying and the planning. And that's just a very normal habit to fall into. And so you've ended up drinking nearly two bottles of wine a night in COVID. Again, such a relatable situation. COVID really ramped up a lot of women's drinking, as we know. So you got up to nearly two bottles of wine a night. How are you feeling during that time? Like during the day, you'd wake up the next day. How would you feel? Okay. So I was literally surviving the day. I wasn't living life. I was just waking. I would always wake early, 5.30, go to the gym. It didn't matter how much I drank. I was still able to get my butt up. To be honest, I was awake from 2 a.m. anyway, tossing and turning. So once that 5.30 alarm would go off, I'd be like, okay, up you get, brush your teeth, hair in a ponytail, get in the car, drive to gym, feeling like absolute crap. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror because I knew what I was doing was no longer serving me. What was so disappointing every morning when I would wake was that I wasn't doing anything about it. So I was drinking this substance that was making me feel good for maybe 20 minutes max. And then I continued to drink it, go to bed with that regret that I'd done it again, fall asleep and wake at that 2 a.m. And just no self-belief, no confidence. I was putting on weight. So I was training my butt off because exercise is my therapy. And what I was finding was I was training my butt off, but because I was drinking so much alcohol, I was also eating so much crap. And it was just this, this wheel that I just couldn't find a way to get off. So I just got to a point where I was so low in my self-esteem and my self-worth that I felt that something had to change, but it did take me a while to get there. 
We really had parallel lives, didn't we, Georgie? This is like, I feel like you're telling me my story. And I remember getting up and going to the gym with a hangover. And, you know, what you and I are both obviously really fit and healthy now, probably I'm certainly at my fittest. I know you're at your fittest as well. But the training that we do now compared to what we were doing then, I don't know about you, but it was like so half-assed. If I could cut any corners or do a less rep or kind of leave early, I would. Is that Was that how you were training as well? Yep. It was definitely surface level. There was no internal feeling about my training. It was really just getting up to go to tick that box to almost try and fool myself, I think, that I've got all this under control. You know, you can drink the the bottle and a half to two bottles of wine and get your butt up early. So nothing's wrong with you. So I think it was me trying to trick myself, but it was literally like walking into that gym. I go to F45 and in the end, I would even struggle to walk in there because I had no confidence that even though I would have been quite one of the fittest and I'd rock up every day, I was still losing that confidence to walk into that gym. And I would just go and I'd just do a half-assed effort. Now when I go to the gym, it's meaningful. Like I check in with myself on the way there and I'll really check in myself when I'm there and I'll do that sort of mind-body connection and say, look where you are, look what you're doing. And I'll drive home and I'll be on a high. And there was none of that when I was drinking. It was just ticking another box to show that I've got this under control. Yeah. And it's almost like there's these two parts of you playing tug of war with each other. The part of you, that soul part, which is this is who I am. I am a really fit, healthy woman. I want to be training. I want to do these sorts of things. And then on the other end, it's the alcohol, the addicted part of you, which is just pulling you back. And it's so hard to ever get ahead. I mean, it's impossible to ever get ahead when you're stuck in that battle. Yeah, truly impossible. And that was the hardest place for me to be in because I knew that it wasn't aligning with my values. I knew it wasn't who I wanted to be in this world. I knew it wasn't how I wanted to show up, but I just didn't know how to get off that wheel. I truly didn't. I thought, well, society tells us that it's okay if I'm doing this. So what's my problem? And that was a real struggle to just come to terms with it is a problem now and we need, you know, I need to do something about it. Do you think that that held you back from getting help, that conditioning around, well, everyone drinks so it's normal and alcohol is not the problem, it's you? Yep, 100%. And I remember many of times when I'd get into bed after drinking and I would often Google, sometimes it would be 3am, you know, I would Google, am I an alcoholic? And that was quite scary to me because I don't relate to that word at all. I was not an alcoholic. I was someone that just didn't know how to stop drinking. But because I would read what an alcoholic was and I was too scared to relate myself to that word, there was no other word at the time until I searched a little bit further. Like the sober curious word took me a while to come across, I guess. So all I was thinking was, am I an alcoholic? No, I'm not an alcoholic. So therefore, society tells me that what I'm doing is fine. But yet internally, I knew that it was so not fine. But because society was saying it was, I was like, I'm just going to roll with that and continue on. Totally. Can so relate to that. Towards the end, were there any rules that you were setting for yourself with your drinking, how much you were drinking, or were you hiding it? Did you have any sneaky little alcohol tricks or lies going on? Look, I didn't sneak or lie because I have this amazing husband that He's just super supportive and backs me no matter what. So he would like often get home from work. 
I laugh at this and it's so not funny, but, you know, I'd probably be a bottle of wine in and I can imagine that he would have just come home from work and thought, oh, God, here we go again. But because I wasn't a horrible, oh, there was times that, you know, I'm a little bit regretful for things that I've said or the tone I've used, but I wasn't a horrible drunk because I didn't drink to suppress things. I just drank because at the time I thought it was making me feel good. So I guess that's why I continued to do it. But I didn't hide things. The noise in my head got really, really noisy, which is around the rules that I was setting. So I remember New Year's Eve, my last New Year's Eve of drinking, I was having my beautiful best friends over and my sister and her family. And I just said, okay, I'm going to have a wine when they get here. Then we had prawns to peel. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to have a wine while I peel the prawns I'm just going to stay off it for a while but what would happen I'd have all these rules in place all this noise in my head and in the end it would not make any difference I would literally still drink just as much what I would do was just smash it down even quicker at the end of the night because I think okay I've only had my bottle I've still got another bottle to go you know let's you know rip into it but the noise around the rules is as I said that was towards the end and that was a really hard thing to deal with you know it was like make sure you have water make sure you eat a lot of food. But at the end of the day, it made zero difference to me. It really did. And the noise was just so hard to control in my head that I'd had enough of the noise as well. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, I was trying to figure out, like, where do we get these rules from? Where do we, because we all have these rules, especially towards the end. I had lots of rules around, you know, and I never stuck to, mind you. Certainly wasn't drinking white wine because that turned me into the devil. So I drink spirits or whatever, but it's so funny. Like who came up with these rules that actually don't work anyway? Yeah. It's like, it's like we all have these same rules. None of them work. Where did they come from? It just, it makes me laugh. Yeah. It makes me laugh too, because when you think back about the journey and all these rules you put into place and at the end of the day, we were still going to drink just as much. Why didn't we just take the rules away and continue to drink? (laughs) I think in a way we were trying to prove, or for me, I was trying to prove that I could that I could control it, you know, that I still had that control. And I think that's why I incorporated the rules. But yeah, you know, after a while, I just come to the realisation that I actually wasn't able to control it. And in that moment comes so much freedom. Yeah, so, so much freedom. Tell me about that moment, George. Did you have a rock bottom moment? And I guess at what point did you realise, okay, I need to stop drinking and I need help with this? Yeah. So I guess my journey of realising that it was no longer, alcohol was no longer serving me and it was making me feel like crap to the day I drew the line in the sand. It was a four-year journey. I purchased a book, The Social Rebellion, written by Maz Compton in 2018. I got up to page 84. The reason I closed that book was because I just thought there is not a hope in this world that I can live a life sober. So I shut that book. But what that book also done was just planted that little bit of a seed that someone out there that I knew that had been drinking a lot had then stopped herself. So that was planted. I continued on drinking no super rock bottoms, but I just continued to lose my confidence and my self-belief. So over those four years, I just continually got worse. What happened for me, I became sober curious and that came about because also this naked mind came on in my car one morning when I was driving home from training, my exercise. 
that was a universe I did not, I can promise you, I did not Google, I did not do anything. It just came on. I don't know how. And that's the same as Thrivalist, but I'll get to that part. So that I think that was the universe just starting to shout a little bit louder to me. You know, I believe the universe speaks in whispers and Maz Compton's book was The Whisper. And then the universe had to just continually point me in the direction that I need to be, which is where I'm on now. So I started listening to that podcast. I became sober curious and that actually became harder for me because I feel being sober curious, realizing what alcohol was doing to me, how it was affecting me in such a negative way. But what I continued to do was continue to drink through that time. So there was that real battle in my head of, I know I should be drinking less. I know it's affecting my health. I know it's affecting my mental health but I continue to drink. So those sort of two years leading up to when I stopped were really, really tough for me because I was dealing with this all this internally. I wasn't shouting to the rooftop, oh my God, I'm drinking too much and that's a problem. I was shouting to the rooftop, I can have a bottle of wine and still exercise, look at me, I'm amazing. So then because my self-worth was really not there anymore, I started to think, okay, you've got to have a break. I had 30 days off mid-COVID and felt that I took my control back over my drinking. You know, I think I might have got to 34 days and I was like, beautiful, I've done 30. I don't have a problem. You know, I've controlled this beast. I'm okay. What happened after about two weeks is I just continued on down that that rabbit hole of increasing my drinking again, losing my self-worth, losing my confidence, no longer able to moderate like I thought I'd had. I call this this wonderful world of moderation, which is just a load of crap. It is so hard to be in, you know, trying to drink in moderation. Then I got to a point in early January 2022 that I thought, you know what, I think I'm actually ready to stop this forever. On the 22nd of January, it was my last drink. I didn't realize at the time it was my last drink. I don't know why the 23rd of January, I woke up that morning and I took some photos of myself. I was very miserable. I was very overweight. I was very bloated. And I thought, you need to look at yourself in the mirror and see what this shit is doing to you. So I'd done that. I look back at those photos and often I'll have big tears in my eyes because that girl is just not who I am. It's not who I wanted to be. So I drew a line in the sand and I was never going to drink again. But in saying that, I was so, so scared and I knew that I needed some support. Thrivalist landed on my lap. Once again, I have no idea how. I don't remember Googling support for sober women. I do not remember anything. So I joined Thrivalist and yeah, that is literally my saviour. And that was the end of my drinking story. And then it was all about my sober story. That page was turned. I love it. And now you're celebrating 19 months of sobriety, George, which is unreal. If you are ready to change your relationship with alcohol, then you're in the right place. The Thrivalist membership is a holistic approach to sobriety. It combines everything you need to free yourself from the alcohol trap and create the life of your dreams with coaching, community, and courses like the Signature Sobriety Course, which holds your hand and guides you through the process of building an incredible sober life. To save 20% off the Signature Sobriety Course, use the coupon SOBERNOTSORRY at checkout. Now, back to the episode. Why do you think you, back in 2018 when you're reading that book and you had to put it down, why did you think you couldn't live a life of sobriety? Because I had given myself, you know, I guess that personality of George that drinks wine. 
So that was one thing. Obviously, I didn't know who I was without alcohol. I truly didn't know how to be in social situations without it because it doesn't matter what we do in life. Everything's revolved around drinking. A wedding's around drinking. An 18th's around drinking. A wake is around drinking. You know, we have a shit day at work, we drink. We have a great day at work, we drink. We just drink. Society tells us that it's okay. So for me to look at society in the face and go, this isn't okay, was really tough for me because I could see everyone was continuing in one direction and I wanted to go the other way. And that really scared me because was I going to still be fun? Was I going to still have my personality? Were people still going to like me? Were people going to judge me? Were people going to feel like I was going to judge them? So all those things were way too scary to face at the time. So I just shut the book and went, I can't do that. That's not me. That's not yeah, that I just could not see at that time me living a life of sobriety as much as I wanted it. I just couldn't see it happening. Yeah, it's really foreign, isn't it? It's a foreign thought. Yeah. And I just want to touch on a couple of things you said. So first of all, moderation. I mean, 100% I'm with you on that one. And I always say to the Thrivalist ladies and anyone who listens that if you've had a drinking problem for longer than 10 years and you've had a severe alcohol use disorder on the alcohol use disorder spectrum, it's highly unlikely that you're going to be able to moderate again in the future. And that's just, I think if, if someone's listening to this and wondering if they can moderate, that's a really good rule to have in place for yourself. And it's so much easier just to commit to, even if it's just a chunk of time, but like starting with you know, I think, George, you, you started with a three-month goal in mind, didn't you, when you first started? Yeah, yeah. 90 days? Yeah, I was just, do you know what? For me, that morning when I drew the line in the sand, I just did not want to drink ever again. That was me. So I sort of didn't put, you know how some people get scared of not drinking ever again? I was so low in my self-esteem and my self-belief that I was like, I'm not touching this ever again. But as I said, in saying that, I didn't know that I was going to be able to do that. Okay. So yeah, you had that really strong desire to never drink again, but the self-belief just wasn't ready to go. Yep. At that point, you needed some time to build that up, which is so normal. And I think the fact that you took those photos on day one is so powerful and such a great tip to anyone who is listening. And, you know, taking those photos is such a nice I guess, reminder, I say nice, meaning it makes us feel good as time goes on to see how far that we have come, which obviously, George, you've come so far. Yeah. So, George, tell me about your experience with getting help and starting Thrivalist. What part of Thrivalist sort of supported you the most and how, yeah, tell us about those early kind of weeks and months of your sober journey. Thrivalist helped me in every way. It gave me community. I jumped on the calls that, you know, that we run a few times a week. And I made sure I was on all of those calls because what those calls allowed me to do was listen to other women that were ahead in the game, which showed me that sobriety was possible. It also showed me that sobriety was possible and it was possible that you would live a beautiful life of sobriety because often when we think about sober sobriety, everyone thinks it's just going to be boring. I thought it was just going to be boring. What was life going to look like? What Thrivalist showed me was life was going to be amazing if I let it be. So what I done in was I let my guard down and then I started to strive for a life of sobriety that I wanted to build for myself that was going to be beautiful. You know, we have a choice in sobriety and this is something that I've looked back on. We can either look at it and go, okay, I'm giving up alcohol and life's going to be shit or we can 
go, I'm going to give up alcohol and I am going to have a real crack at creating this amazing life in sobriety that I wouldn't give up for anything. And that's what I've done. So I just continued on the calls. All the coursework was amazing. There's so many tools that got me through hard times. Because I'd drawn that line in the sand on the 23rd of Jan, that was a really big help for me because I wasn't trying to moderate once I joined Thriveless. I was like here for the long haul. You know, I was in it for the long haul. But it's easy early on because society does lead you to believe that you need drinking. And we've been, you know, brainwashed, I I feel, to think that we need to drink, to go to events and go to those things. So I just continue to put myself out there. I used all the tools that Thrivalist has taught me to get through. And each time I got through something, it was a big tick. It wasn't just a little tick. You know, it was this huge tick to say, hey, I went to a dinner party and didn't drink wine and I actually had a beautiful time. And guess what, George? You're an act- you're actually an okay person without alcohol. That's something that I think was my biggest challenge was allow, you know, was really reaching in and saying, you're okay without it. You don't need that mask. And often we drink to put a mask on. You know, we drink because we want to be confident and we want to be able to have conversation, but it's just fake, you know, and I realized very quickly that I was able to go and show up as my authentic self and still be liked by people. And guess what? I still liked myself. And that was my biggest fear. And that allowed me then to just continue on and put myself out there in life. But the community in Thrivalist was just amazing. It allowed me to share without judgment. Because I hadn't shared with anyone my real struggles. You know, I'm so close to my mum and my sister and, you know, beautiful husband, but I don't think anyone realised how much I was struggling because I didn't want to burden them. And in my mind, I was like, well, if you're struggling, just stop. It was so stupid to say to someone, oh, I'm probably drinking too much and then not be able to stop myself. So I had that real, I guess, resentment towards myself. So with Thriveless, I was able to share, yeah, my worries and I was able to be heard. I was able to be coached and listen to other women's journeys. So it was, to be honest, I know that I say I was never going to drink again that morning, but without Thriverless and the tools that I was shown, I don't think I would be here today. I think I'd still be trying. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And it's one of these things you'll never know. <laughs> so yeah. you'll never know. You're here and that's all that matters. You've done yeah. this amazing amount of work. And it's not just Thriverless, it's all of the work that you've put into this process and journey that's got you to where you are today. Something you should be so proud of. Yeah. And I am. And that's amazing to be able to say, you know, Sobriety gives you the confidence to be able to say, guess what? I've worked really hard to get here and I am proud of it. And often when we're drinking so much, we don't want to say things like that out loud. We're always so nervous to back ourselves and believe in ourselves, but sobriety has given me that. And I'll shout that to the rooftop. Like you have to work hard in sobriety. But as I said, if you turn it into something beautiful and not something negative, then, you know, it's it's all there for you, isn't it? Like the the life of sobriety can be amazing if you just let it be. So true. And I loved how you described that process of almost proving to yourself in little incremental steps that you could do, you could do these things and life actually was okay without alcohol rather than needing to overcome that fear in one big go. It's just being really gentle and kind and it worked for you. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what Thrivalist allows you to do is just be gentle and kind and give yourself self-compassion and self-care. 
And when you're drinking so much, that all goes out the window. So you're literally not doing any of that. So it's just, yeah, it was just such a beautiful process. Like I don't look back on those early days and see it as something. It was hard, but it was also nourishing and it was also caring and it was soft and it was kind and it was all those things that, you know, women need in early sobriety. I know. And it's funny, like, I never knew this when I was in the depths of my despair. I never even knew what self-care was or self-love. I mean, I'd heard of it, but it wasn't something that I thought I would ever have in my life. And now that's sort of, I know with you, Georgie, as well, it's kind of what our life is, the foundation of, of our lives, isn't it? Taking care of ourselves and learning how to build a deep and loving connection with ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And to live a life any other way is just, yeah, it's not who we are anymore, is it? It's just like no. that is such a huge part of who we are. Mm. So, George, how has your life changed since quitting alcohol? Wow. That girl on the 22nd of January to this girl today is hugely different. So, her personality is not different. She's still the same girl. I think that hasn't changed. I feel like I'm a little bit of a witty person and I haven't lost any of that. I can still, you know, give my brother and my sister a bit of bit of crap and, and I've still got that, you know, that personality. What's changed is my confidence. What's changed is my self-belief. I listen to my intuition because that led me to sobriety, which has led me on this amazing path that I am on now. And I'll continue to trust my intuition. Whereas when I was drinking, that just wasn't there. I didn't have, I wasn't brave enough to, I'm brave now. I'm brave enough to step out of my comfort zone and have a crack at whatever is thrown at me. I don't try and be perfect. I know that that is unrealistic. I know that shit's going to come up in my life that is going to be really, really tough but I have the belief that I can get through that time and that I've just got to tune into those feelings. I've got to sit with them. I've got to work through them and that I will come out the other side. I am very grateful. And that is something that I feel really sad. And that is another thing that led me to getting sober. I have the most beautiful supportive husband. I have the most beautiful, healthy kids. I have the most beautiful home. And I wasn't grateful for any of it. I was unhappy. And I would look at my life and say, how dare you be unhappy when you have all this, you know, other people going through such hardships. And yet I was feeling like I was the one that was miserable when I knew that life shouldn't be that way. So I'm grateful every single day. And I mean that I am grateful for a sunrise. I am grateful to wake up hangover free every single day. Like I'm 19 months down the track. For me, the novelty hasn't worn off there. You know, I drive home from exercise, I get my coffee on the way home, I'll blast the music, I'll sing and I'll dance because I am just so grateful to have this beautiful life. I see joy in the very smallest of things. So I can see a beautiful bird and I can feel happy and drinking so much took that joy away from me. I just felt very, just felt very down about everything. And sobriety has given me that joy back. So I am obviously on, I've studied some health and wellness coaching, which I wouldn't have done had I not received the amazing coaching from you, Luce, through Thrivalist. And I thought I had a few people reach out when I was first sharing, you know, that I was sober curious and I was on my sober journey. I had so many people reach out that I felt a real pull towards helping and you gave me the opportunity to mentor for Thrivalist and that gave me that real, you know, that real inspiration to go and study and learn how to 
be a good coach. As much as I think coaching, as you know, it's something that is in you and something that's quite natural, but also to have those tools to be an amazing coach too. So my life is really amazing at the moment and I just trust that I'm here for a reason. I look back at my drinking with, don't know if gratitude's the right word, but the growth that I've had because I was so low to where I am now, I've had an experience of a low low and now just every day feeling really grateful and really happy and excited for what my day will bring. I'm, yeah, I'm just, I guess I am grateful for that journey and it has led me to where I am today, which is in a beautiful place of just content, calm, freedom and self-belief. Oh, George, that was so beautiful. And you're so right. The contrast between being someone stuck with a drinking problem and stuck in that alcohol trap to someone being free and all of the things that you've been doing to make your life better, like really getting into your training, following your passion and purpose to help other people, being a grateful present mom, all of the mindset work you're doing, just everything that you're doing. I mean, the contrast of those two versions of you is so huge and you know so this they're, they're on two total ends of the spectrum and that's why it feels so good now and that's why we can often look back and people who have gone through something like this can actually say I'm grateful for that experience because now I'm like way more present and grateful for my life than if I hadn't gone through that at all so that makes perfect sense and my last question George is what advice do you have for anyone who might be questioning their own relationship with alcohol? Okay, there's a two parts of this. My one of the first part is if you're questioning it, questioning it, there's a reason. So just tap into that and don't be afraid of that. Okay, we don't question our drinking unless we're starting to feel there's a problem. So that's number one, and don't be scared by that answer. Just tap into it and understand that you're getting pushed in the right direction. And I guess my second bit of advice is. Just try some time off without alcohol. Try not to do it by yourself. Try to get support because society pushes us into back into the drinking all the time. So if you have that support and you are around like-minded women that are wanting to achieve a life of sobriety or that are already sober, I think that's a really important tool. But just give yourself a break. Journal throughout your break. I think you need at least 30 days to really get a feel of how good sobriety feels. You know, journal about your sleep, journal about your moods, if you're present with your children or, you know, more present with your children or not. Watch your self-belief build, watch your confidence build. And the beautiful thing that happens in sobriety is we grow and we continue to grow and we continue to want to grow. So, you know, you might be maybe feeling like I was where you were drinking too much, you are feeling overweight. So what happens is you give up the alcohol. Then you want to do is you want to eat better. Then you want to do is you want to sleep better. So all these beautiful things start coming into your life that create a life that you truly don't want to give up. And that's what happened for me. I got to a point where, okay, I didn't want to drink anymore because that was making me feel so crappy. But what happened was I created this life and it happened for me really quite early. I thought, I am not giving this life up for anything. This is just too amazing and I will protect it. And I used to say, I'll protect it with every inch of my soul. So if you are thinking about sobriety, 
just do it. Draw the line in the sand, you know. That was the greatest thing I could have ever gifted myself was that morning to draw the line in the sand and say enough's enough and just watch what comes into your life. It is just so crazy to think about in the 19 months what's come into my life. I've met some beautiful people. Of it, you know, I just continue to experience amazing things in my life and I just think just do it. Such amazing advice, George, of course. You are such an inspiring woman and I love hearing your story. I've heard it a few times, but I feel like every time I hear it, I I learn more and more about you and the work you've done and what you've overcome to get to where you are. And you're such an amazing woman. I'm so grateful that we crossed paths and that we were able to, that that Thrivalist was able to support you in this way. And now you're paying it forward and supporting so many other women. So thank you, George, for sharing your story, for being here and for being you. And I know that you have already helped so many women and so many more on your journey. So thank you. Beautiful. Thank you, Luce. And thank you for all your support. Because as I said, I'm just not sure I would be where I am today without it. So your love and support and, you know, just always backing me has just been, yeah, I'm very grateful for that too. And that's it for the podcast this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll be back next week. Lots of love. If you're not 100% sure about joining Thrivalist just yet, I'd like to direct you towards some free resources to get you started right away on your Sober Curious journey. You can head over to our website at www.thrivalistsobriety.com and read our member reviews. When you read about other women's success stories, it serves as a huge inspiration to get you started on your own. If we can do it, so can you. You can also head to the resources section of our website and listen to a guided future self meditation or calculate how much you'll save by taking a break from drinking. Plus, we've got loads of other free resources for you over there. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, join our free Facebook community, and please reach out anytime you may need some support at info at thrivalistsobriety.com.